0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Word of God, for a special consideration, this Sunday is our second lesson. Galatians 1, verses 1-10. through It's printed in your bulletin and already read. Dear friends in Christ, there are many ways that we might use the word amazing. A new invention or scientific discovery might fill you with wonder and lead you to say, Amazing! A three-year-old might tell you a a long and rambling story about the unicorns and princesses that she and her imaginary friends spent all afternoon with at the palace. The only proper response will be, that's an amazing story. The customer service agent might tell you that the item you ordered and paid for three weeks ago, that you've ordered three times before, that they told you was shipping two weeks ago, that never arrived is... Something we just don't sell. And your most polite answer could well start with, Now, that is amazing. In the Bible, we are used to amaze and similar words like astonish being used in a a positive way, like when the people are amazed at Christ's teaching or, or at the miracles that the apostles did after Pentecost. But mostly we might say that Christians use that vocabulary most, or most appropriately, when we are talking about the Bible, or rather, what and who we find there. Most Americans, and certainly most Christians, if you ask them to do a word association test, would likely follow amazing with grace, without hesitation. That is what the stories that Paul opens his letter to the Galatians with are and are about. Amazing stories of grace. We might not immediately recognize them as stories because he is so concise in telling them, but they are. The first is one that Paul is going to return to later in his letter and expand on with more detail, but He gives enough of it here for any reader still to be amazed. His story is that of an astounding turnaround from being the Pharisees' foremost persecutor of Christians to being Christ's foremost missionary to the Gentiles. But his story is amazing, not just for that conversion, but also for how he got his position in the church not because some person or people decided that he would be a good leader, but because Jesus himself and God the Father called him to be an apostle. The second story Paul tells in these opening verses is the infinitely more important one, the one of grace and peace that is the story of Jesus Christ. Don't be confused by the order of the words. The story begins with our sins. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. But there would have been no need for saving anyone if our first parents had not brought themselves and us under the curse of God's law by choosing their own will and desires over their Creator's. And though Adam and Eve got things started, they hardly get all the blame. Each and every one of us, every human, man, woman, and child of every age, place, and time, each and every one of us claims a greater and greater share of that curse for him or herself with every selfish act of disobedience or pride. The wages of sin is death, the Bible tells us. And it is not just talking about the physical death that Adam and Eve first brought into the world, but also about the spiritual death that is eternal separation from the love of God, that is, damnation to hell. So there is no such thing as a sin that can be ignored or minimized or assumed will go out of date or unnoticed and thus unpunished. Our judge is the all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful Lord of the universe. So there is no escape from guilt and condemnation, no more with an under-the-breath insult of a parent than with an over-the-top act of gross immorality. When we look honestly at ourselves in the mirror of God's law, we find ourselves convicted of, of lying and cheating, of hating and hurting, of worshiping false gods and failing to worship the true one, of so many things that we like to tell ourselves are no big deal or, or that the world around us might even tell us to be proud of. But our consciences know better. The Bible teaches us better. And most importantly, God, the only one whose opinion really matters, knows best of all. We are sinners, all of us, who deserve nothing from Him but death and hell. And there is nothing that we can do or offer Him that can remove that curse. But damnation and separation are not and never were what God wanted for us. He created us to love and serve Him, to be His children and to be with Him forever. And so, in love, the story that started with our sins soon became the story of our salvation. Father saw that the only solution to our situation had to come from Him. And so He gave what was most precious, His only Son. But this was also the Son's will. And so He gave Himself for our sins. Why? Because our guilt confined us. Our culture was corrupted. We served Satan when we thought we served ourselves. And we lived our lives in bondage to sin. We needed to be rescued. And so the Son of God set aside His glory and power and took on human flesh just like ours so that He could live under and fulfill God's law in our place, and so that when the time came, He could offer His life in our place as the atoning sacrifice for all the sins of all people. He suffered unimaginably and died in agony on a cross. But in doing so, He paid the price for all our guilt all our pride, all our lies and lusts and laziness, every sin of every sinner. and God accepted this as payment in full. Jesus completed His rescue mission. And the Father showed His approval by raising His Son from the dead. And then He restored Him to His place in heaven. All glory forever and ever. It was all about God's and Christ's giving without our deserving. Giving fully, giving generously, giving from love and mercy that we could never merit but only receive and enjoy. That is grace. And that is what makes the story of our rescue from our sins an amazing story. But just as there is a huge difference between appreciating an adventure or a love story that we read in a book or see on the movie screen and actually having an adventure or a romance ourselves, so there is an almost infinite difference between merely knowing and appreciating the story of Christ saving sinners and actually trusting it for ourselves and having it as our own. People in the churches of Galatia that Paul was writing to had had done so. The, The Lord had sent him as his messenger so that they would hear the good news of what Jesus had done for them. And through the preaching of that gospel, the Holy Spirit had brought them to believe for themselves and count on Christ for everything. They had been brought out of the deep darkness of ignorance, sin, and unbelief into the brilliant light God's grace through the preaching of His Word and and through that Word applied in baptism, which meant that their story was now also the amazing story of God's amazing grace, as is your story and my story. You may have been a Christian since before you can remember, brought into Christ's kingdom and the family of God through baptism as an infant, or you may have been brought to salvation only recently. But either way, your story is all about the astonishing lengths that the Lord went to in order to rescue you from damnation and the grip of the devil, free you from sin and death, make you holy, and grant you eternal life, and, of course, give you the faith which takes hold of all of these gifts. It is all by grace without you deserving it or or doing anything to earn it. So it doesn't matter whether or not you remember what it was like before when you were lost. You know what Jesus saved you from and saved you for and how. And that story is amazing. But there are other stories too. There's the young guy who grew up in a Christian home, was baptized as a baby, had Bible stories in Sunday school growing up, learned his catechism and was confirmed, went to youth group and didn't just go through the motions or do it to please his parents. He he actually believed and confessed that faith in Jesus, yet who, after a few years of college, decided that being a Christian could be whatever he wanted it to be quit church, he was almost embarrassed by his earlier piety, and started trusting in what he thought was his own natural goodness and wisdom to get through life and into heaven. Amazing. There's also the older woman who, who thinks of herself as the complete opposite. She's in church in her spot, her spot, every Sunday, and she knows just how everything is supposed to be. She actually wonders how the pastor would get things right if she weren't there to help keep things on track. She has heard every word of the gospel preached in every service and has said all the prayers and sung all the great hymns of the faith since she was a child. But if you asked her why she thinks she's going to heaven, she would point to what a great Christian and good worker she is long before she'd ever mention Jesus. Amazing. And there's Pat, who was once the most excited Christian you could meet. Pat came from a bad home and lived a bad life full of bad habits and bad decisions which led to bad things. But one day... A co-worker shared the message of salvation in Christ, and the next week brought Pat to church. And before long, there was a new, thankful, beaming believer in Jesus where before there had been a lost, rebellious, hurting sinner. But a few years ago, Pat began reading some stuff on the Internet, never talked to the pastor about any of it, and just came in one day and declared that there was something more important than grace or faith obedience and from then on pat was all about saintly deeds and following the commandments and doing special rites and having certain ceremonies pat was going to get into heaven by impressing jesus with works of righteousness and devotion amazing that's pretty much what had happened among the galatians when Paul and his partners had preached the gospel to them, they had happily embraced the gospel of grace and trusted in Jesus and only in Jesus. When Paul left them to continue his mission work, they were strong and growing in that faith. And now now he has reports that they have embraced a gospel upgrade. And he is amazed because there is no such thing as a gospel upgrade there is only one gospel and that is the gospel that he preached to them that they believed and that saved them and yet when certain false teachers came among them and suggested basically that that Paul had given them something less than the whole story and that something needed to be added to grace and faith for them to be saved well they had quickly deserted what the holy spirit had called them to and they turned instead to a Perversion of the gospel. As we will learn later in the letter, the message of these false teachers was that grace alone, God's loving, unaided, undeserved work on our behalf, was not enough. A proper disciple of Christ, they said, had to do the works of the law of Moses in addition to following Jesus. In in other words, in order to be good Christians, the Galatian Gentiles also had to be good Jews, following the Mosaic dietary laws, keeping the Sabbath, celebrating the feasts, and observing the rituals. And Paul was amazed. Now the Holy Spirit undoubtedly inspired him to be polite, i'm sure much stronger words like disgusted or even devastated came to his mind perhaps something earthier too because this different gospel was really not another gospel at all because any time that you add anything to grace grace itself goes out the window either you are saved entirely by the love mercy and work of christ and god gets all the credit Or you rely on your own works or goodness, fail to save yourself, and you get all the blame. Remember that gospel literally means good news. It is good news. When a sinner is told his guilt is washed away, that death and damnation are no longer his destiny and that Christ has done everything necessary to gain him eternal life in heaven. It is not good news when a sinner is told, hey, that, that Jesus and the cross stuff is all great and everything, but, but if you really want to be saved, you have to trust yourself to do the right things and be the right kind of person. Here's a list, but you never know. There might be something more that you need to do that's not on there. And even even if you're good at doing all those things, you can never really know if you're good enough. After all, Jesus was perfect, and look what happened to him. But just keep trying and and trying your hardest though. Don't don't ever let up. And and maybe at the end of it all, God will like what He sees and let you into heaven. But hey. It's all in your hands. Not good news. Not grace. Not true. Nonsense. Amazing. And so Paul proclaims God's curse, anathema, on anyone, even if it were an angel come down from heaven who would preach any kind of grace plus something more, or Christ's work plus your works, Christianity. So don't don't listen to, let alone turn to, any different gospel. Don't desert the one who called you in the grace of Christ. That is Paul's urgent plea to the Galatians and his message also to us. Satan, the world, and our own sinful flesh all prefer a grace-plus attempt at salvation to the all-sufficient truth of Christ's cross and empty tomb. So whether you have already strayed or simply are tempted to turn away as we all are, do not let your story be the wrong kind of amazing. Enjoy. And continue to embrace the grace and peace that are yours from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Hold on to the triune God's promises to you in your baptism. Repent of your sins. Abandon any reliance on your own works or merit. Trust in your Savior and Him alone. And feed and grow that faith with a steady diet of the pure and true powerful gospel that we find in His Word and sacraments. Let the story of your life and our life together be from beginning to end a story of grace. Amazing grace. Hallelujah. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.